0: Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be looking into how we need to work Akashic energy in both directions, towards the universe and into ourselves. I was struck by a moment in Misty Copeland's documentary, A Ballerina's Tale, where she talked about a relatively new form of ballet practice called floor bar. The traditional practice for dancers with the bar is to work one side of the body and repeat equally with the other in order to be balanced and fully competent with both. Floor bar, created by Zena Romet, dramatically demonstrates for dancers that what they thought was parity and evenness is not. They can go their entire careers or even lives unaware that they've been relating to the two sides of their body differently. Lying on the floor draws exact comparisons, thereby highlighting where they are out of balance relationally with their own body. It's in this moment they can begin to change and improve this relationship in order to achieve a more complete balance within themselves, thereby creating the firm foundation for personal and professional expansion. This caught my attention because I sometimes feel like the floor which clients and students are working against for the first time. When I point out to them that Akasha flows not just from top to bottom in their bodies, but also bottom to top, and this is required for balance and health, I get a variety of responses from surprise and intrigue to rejection to aha! While the spiritual community has always been welcoming of alternative healing practices and continues to broaden its acceptance and understanding of holistic health, it still suffers from the metaphysical-physical split where spiritual matters, wisdom, and beings are up there, out there, or beyond the veil, and physical life is here, in an existence apart from what is spiritual. We're taught the body is a mechanism, a vehicle whose warranty expires sometime in youth, and thereafter to be mistrusted and monitored as it randomly breaks down, struggles with various fuels and refuses to perform at the most inopportune moment, all of which prevents us from doing so much of what we wish to do. We're also taught one of our jobs is to raise ourselves up out of the physical struggles of the world, remember who we truly are, and rise above it all to a higher plane of existence. Our focus on this world is to repair or replace it with a spiritual world which is full of love and bliss. These conceptions are a bit like a dancer working at the bar. Our focus is split into two halves, spiritual and physical. We're exhorted to attend to them both equally, and even to focus on the spiritual more because the physical is so much more immediate and demanding, we can seem to ignore spirituality altogether. We come to the bar assuming our spiritual side is atrophied and needs rudimentary attention, while our physical side may need work, but is doing its best. In all the focus on the differences between the sides, we don't realize the entire practice is training us to be as much imbalanced as balanced. In fact, it's heightening the imbalance, then encouraging us to do extra work in order to counter it, In essence, redefining balance, or creating balance in imbalance. But let's back up, because this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Most religions are based on the teachings and writings of people who were deeply embedded in agricultural cultures. Things were made by hand. Transportation was via animal, water, or foot. People grew food and prepared it themselves. The necessities of life were made locally, and people traded what they had created for what others had created. The entirety of life was on and of the earth, focused on the hands, on the feet, on what's in front of you. Lives were short, integrated deeply with the ecology, with the turning of the seasons, and the knowledge that life is full of hard work and the capriciousness of circumstances, such as weather, plague, lack, or overabundance. So religious messages are full of iconography for looking up, lifting the eyes, focusing on climbing the heights, looking for a higher power, seeing the bigger picture above and beyond it all. Someone who works the land has very little need of getting grounded, or digging their roots into the earth. Religious message seeks to encourage people to live by principles beyond the immediate relations of the family, the tribe, personal interest, and the short term, not because these things are intrinsically bad, but because they were the way of life for all but the tiniest fraction of human beings. Tradition was the only education most would ever have, and was the best way to ensure their safety and that of the generations after them. Choosing to live for ideals rather than practical interests was radical and mostly frightening, hence the New Testament is full of various ways to express the practical results of seeking a higher form of living and loving. This is a perspective we tend to ignore when learning about and practicing the teachings of religion, and even many newer spiritual practices. While our culture is no longer pre-industrial, no longer rooted in agriculture, no longer manual in any meaningful way, we continue to interact with these teachings and writings as if our relationship to them should remain unchanged. Culturally, we have created lifespans which range 70 to 90 years, which are so removed from agrarian practices, that growing a vegetable garden is a choice and for some a political act, where the skills to create clothes have become a hobby or an optional craft, and where our lives are focused on the mind in this age of information. It's as if culture were an hourglass which has been flipped over so all the sand is at the top and we're being told the sand must continue to run upwards in fact, strain to break through the base and continue moving upwards into the unknown. Because of these two things, our culture being focused on the mind and spiritual message being geared for a grounded audience, we lack awareness of how we are imbalanced. We therefore struggle for a balance which is difficult if not impossible to achieve. We're top-heavy with thought struggling to keep relationships and emotions in the top portion of the hourglass, and letting only individual grains of sand dribble through, just enough to keep things functioning. Let me reiterate, having sand in the upper half of the hourglass isn't wrong. Being in the mind isn't a bad thing, nor is becoming conscious of and interactive with spiritual practices, which connect with the universal Akashic flow it's necessary. But so is the reverse. Not having balance between the two, not having Akasha moving in both directions equally, causes all kinds of difficulties for people, such as an inability to manifest a project beyond the initial stages. We label this as a problem with impracticability or bad luck, of having something stuck somewhere or a problem with commitment, let alone follow through. Akasha, focused only on the upper regions of thought, psychic gifts, energy work, and universal emotions, can cause the body to react, signaling where things are unbalanced and tugging our attention back into the now. When we're not working with Akasha in the physical realm, Others' acts of manifestation can take us unaware. Seeming to come out of nowhere, their real-world effects pull us even further into our minds in order to understand the problem and create an illusion of control. This exacerbates the disconnect, unfortunately, creating a self-reinforcing struggle. This is one major reason why I work with my students to recognize this world, is not separate from the spiritual out there. This world is something we're manifesting through our existence in each moment. We are made of akasha. The world is made of akasha. And we are co-creating and co-created by it simultaneously. What they experience in akashic meditation is not just in their heads, nor simply a mental-spiritual exercise. Many students are pleasantly surprised to find places they visit in the Akashics have physical representations here, and the energy freely flows from one to the other in a continuous becoming. Animals partake of this, hence birds drop feathers as messages, forest animals will present themselves in response to the call or need of the persons present, and we can experience the gifts of living with familiars attuned to our life and our needs. I point out to students that while we are taught to focus on spiritual expression as a drawing in of the universal and expressing it here, the spiritual is also washing over us from here, and we are expressing it into the universe, such as when we have messages of empowerment or remembrance tattooed or when we use the energetic practices of feng shui in our homes. We think we are manifesting, when in reality, we are allowing the world to manifest us. Once I point out this aspect of spirituality, they're able to explore where they are in the scheme of things, and begin, sometimes for the first time, to work towards a true balance. For in the end, whether working at the bar or on the floor, the idea is to see oneself not as a divided person but whole. Not either or, but both and entire. So what's to be done? Well, start where you are, of course. This doesn't mean haul out your well-worn failure to-do list and begin the ritual of self-abuse, which starts with, I know I should. Although feel free if it makes you feel more comfortable. Starting where you are isn't about judgment or judging, but instead of assessment. Start by noting if your spiritual practice consists mostly of mental exercises, such as journeying, sitting in meditation, chanting and breath work, visualizations and affirmations, prayer, and the like. Check to see if the things you do for physical well-being are mechanical, like car maintenance, Going to the gym equals change the oil. One hour of cardio equals rotate the tires. Taking a long walk once a week equals going through the car wash. Or, if your physical practice is set up in order to punish slash correct issues, look to see if there are any exercises meant to promote emotional well-being rather than enforce monotone and perpetual happiness. Look to see if the spiritual practices are focused only on upwards movement, getting you out of your body, or rising above it all. Once you have this personal wholeness map, you will have experienced your first session on the floor bar. You will have seen a clearer version of the state of things. Balance comes not from staying still or reaching some impossible perfection or end goal, but to be in movement. So with this map, you'll be perfectly situated to move into a more balanced state. Some ways in which you can balance things is working with physical Akashic energies, such as labyrinths, medicine wheels, and utilizing the elements. A labyrinth is an Akashic manifestation holding the energies of the internal journey to source, as well as the return and rebirth. Walking a labyrinth allows us to physically participate in this process, taking our mind on an internal journey, while filling our body from the bottom up with wisdom and creative energy, creating a momentary balance point for emotions to release and express as we not only enter the center of the labyrinth, but discover we are the center of it, and are yet co-creating it, activating it, and radiating it into the world. Building a labyrinth takes this practice even deeper, marrying thought, intention, emotion, and physical action, so each moment is a pearl of spirit. Working with the medicine wheel deals less in the inward journey and more on the awareness of our interconnectedness. It teaches us the interconnectedness of all aspects of ourselves, placing each one, mental mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, onto a section of the wheel, and showing us how they relate and interact. And yet, each section also maps to the external world, through directions, totems, seasons, and phases of maturity, allowing us to see how we are interconnected to the world around us in ways which may not be readily apparent. Walking the wheel allows us to physically connect and interact with those aspects of the world intimately, not only to recognize the relationship, but also to call on it for more direct contact, and for it to call us in return. Building a medicine wheel can be seen as constructing a model of the self, but it is also constructing a model of the universe allowing us to experience how we are both micro and macrocosm at the same time, how Akasha is running through us, both upwards and downwards. Another way to balance things is to work with the elements. This can be as simple as clearing a space on a table, and then setting out a dish of salt, a glass of water, a feather, and a lighted candle. While we are habituated to think of this as a mental exercise, once they're set equidistant from each other, it becomes apparent something has changed. The temperature changes, the air becomes charged, and there's a feeling of waiting or expectancy. If you place your hand in the center of these things, you'll find a difference in the air pressure, a difference in temperature, the akasha, moving between all of them, creating a whole. You can spread out these elements or physical representations further so you can stand in the center, thereby plugging you into the akasha. You can intentionally interact with larger representations of these, such as swimming in water, eating a hearty meal, standing in a windy spot such as a cliff, or taking a drive with the windows down, then ending the day sitting around a fire. There are many representations or symbols for learning to recognize how the elements affect us, are us, are what we are working with in the moment. One of the most surprising and magical is working with the suits in a deck of tarot. Working with one suit for a specific amount of days will focus this aspect of your being. Bringing it to the fore while at the same time calling in additional input from this aspect of the external world. If someone is familiar with the suits, having experience working with them from ace to ten, which can be seen as moving from the physical to the mental, I recommend working with them from the ten to the ace, bringing all of this wisdom into life from the mental down into the world. To achieve balance, we must first define not only what is out of balance, but how it is out of balance. Once we have discovered this, we can then begin to create balance through moving, allowing ourselves not only to reach out for Akashic experience, but to recognize how Akasha is reaching out to us. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing the energy connections between partners, what they do, and how to cut the cords when it's time to move forward. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to rate it five stars on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.